This call is now being recorded. Hello, everybody out there. This is the Master Blaster Podcast. You're usually putting misinformation on blast with political episodes. We're stepping into a different uh, format here a little bit. Uh, talking heavy metal, uh, specifically thrash metal. we got the top ten thrash metal bands of all time. Uh, before we go into this, uh, let's talk a little bit about um, some other episodes we're going to do coming up. We talked about Chicago episode. We're talking about our, our love of Chicago, living here for so so long, uh, dirty, even though you uh, live in Alaska now. Um, also, too, I, by the way, I'm Dylan. This is Dirty, Dirty Mouth. Dirty, good. how you doing, man? Good, good. Smelling good. Good. So what do you think about, uh, besides that, maybe a future, like, best grunge yeah. band? Because oh, we want to yeah. get into the 90s, too, you know what I mean, besides yeah. the 80s. So, um, so we're going to cover s- some music here in some of these episodes coming up. Not every single one, but uh, just to give you uh, a heads up. And then we'll also get into, eventually, something to do with, with comedians, because we love stand-up comedy and and yeah. stuff like that. So anyway, all kinds of subjects to come. Feel free to email us if you want us to cover a certain subject that you love. And by the way, uh, thanks to all those who have checked out our Aussie versus Iron Maiden uh, podcast. The podcast has done pretty good, but the um, the YouTube videos of uh, part one and part two are being listened to at a, at a good rate. So thank you for listening to those. Uh, we have picked up some subscribers on YouTube. Again, we don't get a lot of messages, though, or comments. Uh, feel free to, for, to leave some comments. We'll mention them on the air. Um, all right, so let's get into this. we got the top ten thrash metal bands of all time. What we're going to do is we're just going to go through. We're not going to spend too much time on each Band, we will talk about albums we love, mem- uh, members of the band we love specifically. If we love a drummer, a guitar player, whoever the uh, independent in- individuals are in these bands that we love, we'll talk about it. Hopefully, in the end, we'll have time to go through maybe a little list of like bands that we forgot or some other bands because uh, there's obviously more than ten bands. And if we really have time, we can get into the top uh, thirty fresh metal bands of all time according to Spin Magazine. So this will probably be a two-parter again. Uh, so let's get into it right now. Uh, Dirty, what do you got for, uh, first of all, anything you want to talk about describing thrash metal, which I consider to be an extension of punk, like a heavier, faster, more technically sound version of punk. But any thoughts that you have before we get into the list about thrash metal? Uh, no, not really. I mean, it's just uh, it's very definitive like uh genre and time in the metal scene so that's about it yeah i mean i what i see also is in a lot of these bands we have you know hard rock bands that talk about chicks mostly and partying and drinking then you've got heavy metal which talks about sword and sorcery and and dungeons and dragons dio and and oz yeah and the devil and ozzy and stuff like that then we've got Thrash metal, I think, is is a little bit more informative about what's going on in society, um, and has some smart, intelligent lyrics, and are really telling things from from a, like a street perspective, from like metalheads uh, who are kind of the I was one. Um, 
I got to stay. In, I mean, I, I still listen to a lot of metal, but uh, anyway, one of my favorite types of, of music of all time. I do have to admit, um, Dirty, tell me what you, what you think. I, it's really the '80s and '90s is what I'm focusing on. I'm not uh, even the bands we mentioned. Some bands I've followed into the 2000s. Some I really haven't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll, we'll go into that as we mention our, our bands. But this really is going to be '80s and '90s heavy, heavy, especially the '80s. Is the birth of thrash metal in San Fran. All right, San Francisco, that is. So let's start out. Uh, Dirty, start us off with your list. Um, who do you have for number 10 as your best thrash metal band of all time? Um, 10, I would start off with uh, Metal Church. Excellent. Um, pretty good band. The Dark was an amazing album. Uh, I used to listen all the time when I was younger. I still like it. So, really good album. Yeah, it's a great album. Uh, you haven't heard much of the the first one. You don't actually like Blessing in the Skies that much, right? No, no. Not at all. Okay. So, there's two different singers for Metal Church. Uh, the first one, well, I'll go into them a little bit more. I have them higher up on my list. We'll go into them more. I know the second singer, R.I.P. to Mike Howe, who was the singer oh. for Blessing in the Skies. And uh, the record after that, which had, I don't know, Date with Paul, Human Factor, I think it was called. It's a very good album. Um, he, I guess he committed suicide, unfortunately. He hung himself oh, no. uh, in his garage a couple of years ago. So uh, that's really all I know about uh, about him. But, yeah, The Dark, uh, we'll, again, I'll go a little further into Metal Church on my list. So we got number 10, you got Metal Church. Have you ever seen him in concert, by the way? I never got to see him in concert. Um, I I think when the album came out, we had moved to Alaska, my mom and I, so I didn't get a chance to see him. And my mom was pretty pretty tough about that shit. So yeah, um, I didn't get to see them either. I know they got put on to some bigger tour in the early '90s. I believe it was a Metallica tour. It was Metallica. Yeah. Uh, I even think I think that one of the guitar players from Metal Church. The one who replaced the founder, I'll get into this a little further again, but I, bl- I believe his name is John Marshall. I believe he's the guitar tech for Metallica when oh, they go on wow. tour. He's basically the guitar roadie or the guitar tech for them. So huh. I think they got to tour with them once. Anyway, okay, let me uh, start with mine, number 10. I'm actually going to cheat a little bit here because I have a, a tie. So I'm going to do two bands here. The first band I'm going to do, number 10, is Annihilator. Uh, pretty much the best Canadian thrash metal band of our to- of all time, headed by Jeff Waters, who writes the majority of the music and the lyrics. Um, they're a band that had uh, a cacophony of singers. Every, basically, every album they changed singers just about. I followed them through the 90s. By the way, Allison held their first album, 1989, is fantastic. It's still my favorite album. Uh, they heavy classical. He's a heavy classically influenced guitar player. Great acoustic uh, classical t- guitar to go along with some great heavy riffs. So if, you, if you're a fan of <clears throat> Randy Rhodes, then you'll probably be a fan of this guy. Dave Mustaine is an enormous fan of Jeff Waters. He actually asked Jeff Waters to join Megadeth after they kicked out Jeff Young, which is after So Far So Good So What. So, um, and he declined. He didn't want to be a part of. Uh, uh, Megadeth, he probably knew he'd get kicked out after now. So, 
but he was supposed to be the guitar player for Rust of Peace. They, of course, chose Marty Friedman, uh, who I find a, a really good guitar player, but uh, inferior to Jeff Waters. A um, little bit more on, on uh, Annihilator. My records of choice for that, not only Allison Hell, the first one, but uh, the second record they put out, Never Neverland, Fun Palace, uh, it's on there. Stonewall. It's, uh, those two albums I listened to heavily, uh, and then moved on to Set the World on Fire, which was kind of an average, uh, average record. Lyrically, sometimes they've been, uh, hurting, hurting for some good hardcore lyrics, especially after the first record, but, um, and the singer was pretty bad on that one. Musically, very good. So anyway, Annihilator, if you love, Metal, if you love thrash metal, definitely check them out. The musicianship is really high. Jeff Waters, uh, one of the best thrash metal musicians of all time. Okay, number 10. Let me quickly mention my, my second band, and number 10 is the band Forbidden out of San Francisco, uh, a fantastic thrash metal band. Of course, uh, let me actually bring up their page so I get all of the names right. But... Come on, forbidden. There we go. So Paul Bustoff actually replaced Dave Lombardo and Slayer in 1992 and went back and forth with the band. I believe he's recorded three or four Slayer albums, which uh, he's a great, technically great drummer. His feel, he has a syncopated sort of offbeat uh, style of playing the drums, almost kind of jazzy. He's like the super technical jazzy type drummer. Does, that does a lot of offbeats. It didn't really fit to me with Slayer. Dirty, if, if you've heard like Divine Intervention or Diablos right. Musica, right. Um, he plays on those records, God Hates, and it to me like the rhythm, he just didn't have that, that groove rhythm that Dave Lombardo had, which, you know, weighed Slayer down, right. I think, a little bit. Um, so, but hey, cheers to him for actually getting that gig. That's a massive gig to get. Annihilator, the one thing I'll say is Twisted Into Form, their 1990 record, which is their second record, is one of my absolute top five thrash metal albums of all time. If you haven't heard it, you can listen to it for free on YouTube. Song for song, every single song, I must have listened to this album a thousand times when I was 18, 19 years old, driving around, cruising with my friends, doing at the time some illegal things, uh, but uh, really just getting high, you know, no big deal. But, uh, yeah, that's an amazing record. It's technically different from their first one. If you guys know, Forbidden Evil is the first record, which was good. Uh, good to really good, but not great. The second album was much better. Technically, much more precise and spectacular. Uh, those guys are some fantastic musical engineers and really... I'll tell you what, if I ever direct a, mu uh, a movie, by the way, uh, the greatest song that they have is an instrumental. It is the most evil-sounding song I've ever heard in my life. And it is called Spiral, I believe it's called Spiral Depression. If I ever make a horror movie, I am going to use this instrumental as a part of if anybody is going insane in, in the movie, that song will play, and you will understand how that fits with uh, spiraling mental decline. Again, if you want to listen to it on YouTube, I, I sincerely hope that you do. You can listen to it for free. It's a fantastic album. 
after that, they tried to go a little bit grunge or hard rock instead of thrash, which didn't work, and then they went back to thrash. So anyway, number 10, Forbidden and Annihilator, it's a tie for me, Dirty. Let's go into number nine for your list of the best thrash metal bands of all time. Uh, Flossum, Jetsum. No, no, uh, no Place for Disgrace. Pretty good album. Uh, pretty metal. Yeah. Flossum and Jetsum. Dude, that is exactly my number nine as well. Um, now, of course, they have a member that, like a member of uh, Forbidden, that went on to be in a bigger band. Gee, who, who could that be from Blossom and Jetsum that went on to be in a bigger band? Right. Uh, Jason Newstead. That's right. Jason Newstead, I mean. So Jason Newstead was on Doomsday for the Deceiver, and again, that's, that's my number nine band, too, so let's talk about it. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Doomsday for the Deceiver, the first one. It's, it's okay. Uh, no Place for Disgrace, I think, is much better. Uh, Jason Newstead was gone by that point. Uh, let me check this real quick. Uh, uh, yeah, I think he had been already replaced. I don't think he recorded on that album. Uh, it doesn't give me a list of personnel for that record. I know Troy Gregory was the first one to replace uh, Jason Newstead, Hard On You is a classic uh, heavy metal song, the first uh, track on, on uh, No Please or Disgrace. Escape from Within is pretty good, kind of a little bit of a slower song. And also, what is it, Misguided Fortune on the second side is fantastic. I'm a huge fan of their band, their drummer, Kelly Smith, I believe, is a fantastic drummer. And they have actually more records. Besides Blossom and Jessam, or excuse me, besides No Place for Disgrace. This is a band that I did follow into the 90s. Uh, when the Storm Comes Down was the record directly after No Place for Disgrace, which I think is even better than that record. It's a better record. It's not mixed. It's got kind of a weird, quirky mix to it. I don't think it's produced as well. Um, but still a great record. Greed is a fantastic song on When the Storm Comes Down. Supper the Masses was great, of course. I made a video for that. And then they kept going, actually. Quattro, released in 1992, was also a very good record. Uh, at that point, they were kind of mimicking Metallica a little bit, slowing down, which some of the other trash metal bands we'll talk about did as well. Drift, I, uh, excuse me, Drift, 1995 Drift, I got that one as well, which was 1995. So, Flock and had a long career. They're still going. Um, and they, they're definitely one of the not only a pioneering thrash metal band, but a surviving thrash metal band that's still going to this day. So I give them a lot of credit. So that's number nine. Uh, number eight. So I got a 30. split. What do you got for number eight? I got a split because uh, okay. I just realized my list was a little bigger. But um, I have to say Overkill uh, and Voivod. Gotcha, yeah, Voivod, San Francisco, Overkill, I think they're San Francisco as well. A lot of these bands come from San Francisco. Uh, do you have a favorite album from Overkill? They're, they're an absolute, and most people would put them on a top ten. I I don't on my top ten, but I have them like right outside the top ten. Uh, do you have a favorite um, Overkill record? Let's see. 
Um, hmm. Favorite album. I mean, there is Under the Influence in 1988. Years of Decay. Elimination. Yeah, that's their best song. That's that's what I got into them for. But I like No Place, or uh, I like Years of Decay. That's a good album. Yeah, Under the Influence has Hello from the Gutter, uh, which is a, a really cool song. I remember their logo, which is a little bat flying around in the video as they're going yeah. through different parts of the city. Uh, yeah, Overkill, definitely a, uh, a very influential thrash metal band, so I, I do I do like them as well. What was your other band, Voivod? Voivod. Um, Voivod, who uh, Jason Newstead actually recorded once one album, recorded with them on one album in 2005. Um, good band. I, I like their sound. They're... They're influenced by, you know, I believe, uh, like Maiden and a lot of bands, but, uh, Pete Floyd gave them kind of a, an influence as well to, I don't know, I would say they're kind of prog metal. They're like time changes and, yeah, uh, almost, almost math metal-ish, but, uh, yeah, they're, they're a great band and actually, uh, I believe they're from Canada. Oh, Voiva, they're not from San Fran? I don't think so, no. But um but yeah, they're pretty good. Uh really they obscure metal band. Um just just did their own thing and um you know I think they're still around too right now. Um but yeah, just into yeah. Yeah, Canadian, yeah, they're Canadian from Cool yeah. Bay. So Yeah, cool band. A lot of these thrash metal bands have gone through like a prog phase. I mean, the Twisted into Form when I talked about Forbidden, that was kind of like their prog metal, where they're getting just very specific with time changes and off beats, getting very complicated and sophisticated with the uh, with the music and the meter changes. So um, there's another thing I love. I mean, it's, to be honest with you, I when I was 16, I'm like, I want to be in a thrash metal band, but not. You know, I didn't want to be in like just the two chord glorified punk band. I wanted to be in something a little more sophisticated. The problem is that's hard to start out when you're first starting out to be in a well, a progressive metal thrash metal band because it's it's just difficult music to play. I probably should have started out playing punk, but I didn't. I, I went right to uh to thrash metal. So okay, so that's number eight where you have a tie. Number eight, I'm going into one of the Big four, number eight. I put them a little bit lower uh, compared to the other big four. So number eight to me is Anthrax. Oh. Uh, East Coast band, as opposed to West Coast bands, they go way back to the early 80s. Uh, Scott Ian, very influential guitar player. I'll tell you what, too, their drummer, Charlie Bonante, is, is magnificent. One of the yeah. best musicians in... in uh, and thrash metal. Their lead guitar player, Dan Spitz, I always thought was was not one of the best uh, right. for for thrash metal. He was always really kind of average. Anthrax obviously has had a magnificent career, long career. Uh, you can talk about Among the Living, which is uh, one of the classic uh, thrash metal albums, Spreading the Disease, Stadiophoria, which uh, has to me their heaviest song probably ever, which is Be All, End All, and one of my other favorite songs, Making Me Laugh, which is uh, 
sort of a nod to preachers. There's a lot of thrash metal bands took a look at a snipe at religion. Right. Uh, and then it leads up to their best album to me, Persistence of Time, 1990, all the way from the beginning to end. Fantastic wow. record. It's definitely their most technically their best album. It's their best produced album, too, as far as their sound and their mix. I love Intro to Reality, Belly of the Beast. Um, boy, they did a great cover of Got the Time by Joe Jackson. And they also have, what was that song? I'm Not Afraid, I'm a Walking Razor Blade, Face the Face yeah. of Fear, Face the Fear, Face of Death, Laugh When Others Tear, Tear When Others Laugh. Great. Um, great lyrics. Whatever song that is great. Yeah. And also, too, they're delving into race relations. One of their first, uh, Scott Ian talks about how he grew up with a, a racist family. And it's called Keep It in the Family, which is, oh, yeah. Wow. I mean, they're, their heaviest stuff is on the, is on that record. I mean, I did plenty of heavy stuff, but they're moving away from that thrash metal sound a little bit of spreading the disease, and the drum beats are getting a little bit different, a little bit more technical. The guitars, I think, are, are give better guitar riffs for heavy metal guitar riffs. The guitar riff for Keeping the Family, guys, if you haven't heard that, go listen to it. Uh, it is... Just drop D tuning. It's it's heavy as shit. Um, great great song, great album. And then of course John Bush replaced Joey Belladonna. They went on to um, do Sound of White Noise in 1992, which is another very good record. Only is one of their one of their greatest songs. So anyway, Anthrax. Um, I think we will do a, a, a future top ten metal albums of all time where we get real specific with songs and production of specific albums. Uh, we don't want to get quite as specific with this because of time constraints, but, uh, yeah, number eight for me is Anthrax. Dirty, what do you got for number seven? Uh, for number seven, I have Death Angel. Death Angel, classic. Yeah, classic uh, San Francisco Bay Area thrash metal. Um, they're amongst, you know, in my opinion, they're amongst the... I don't know, the super legion of thrash metal bands. Like, they, uh, just amazing guitar players, uh, just all around good band. Um, they were like, what I liked about thrash metal, when you talk about politics and, uh, difference is thrash metal actually is more diverse for metal. Metal is so conservative and all that. And, uh, but San Francisco was great and thrash metal was great because you start seeing, uh, not just white guys, you know, like, like Death Angels all Filipino. Uh, so it was kind of like, you know, kind of a reflection of, of that scene in California. And, uh, I, you know, they, great band though. Um, I don't know. I can't say enough. I had good rhythm, good, good rhythm guitar, uh, good lyrics. Um, Act Three is probably my favorite. Um, they're still around today. I just saw something on them. They were playing a show in honor of Metallica. But yeah, so we just put some albums out. They're just still alive. It's another nice thing. So yeah, yeah. Death Angel was really big when I was in high school. Listening to thrash, people were talking about different thrash metal bands and Act Three. Ultraviolence was their first one that I remember. Act 3 was probably their biggest seemingly endless time. The first song is great. Great song. Um, 
I remember actually hanging out with a buddy of mine, and he mentioned Death Angel, which was his favorite band, and Act 3 was his favorite record. Nice. And we go out and go driving and hang out at different parts, different, you know, beautiful spots in, in New England to go and, you know, just kind of set up camp and smoke a little something and enjoy nature. And we would listen to different metal bands, heavy metal bands, and he mentioned Death Angel, and he says, mark my words, Dirty, if you ever had a friend tell you, like, in 20 years, this is what's going to happen, mark my words, and you actually remember the, the big right. proclamation that a friend of yours made of what's going to change or what's going to happen in the future. After Act 3, he said, Death Angel is going to be the biggest heavy metal band of all time, and he goes, mark yeah. my words, Room of the View is going to be the stairway to heaven for our generation." Wow. And I listened wow. to it, and I'm like, really? And I, I heard the song is, is okay. I mean, I like Act 3. That song specifically is, is okay. I guess I'd have to go back and listen to it again to have a more specific opinion. But it certainly didn't happen, actually. Um, now, actually, I think with Death Angel, let me go back to their – yeah, they took a big break. After Act 3, they took a 15-year break where they didn't record <laughs> – and their next record was The Art of Dying. So his proclamation didn't live too well because they obviously kind of broke up after that or something, well, something happened. Well, what's funny is that for him to say that. And so the album came out, I think, in 1990, right? Or 89, 90? Yeah. Yep, 1990. So what's funny is, so within the next couple of years, especially like from 90 to 91 to 90, 94-ish, Grunge took over everything. Like, it took over everybody's, you know, uh, attention. And, like, you know, very few thrash bands made it. I think Metallica uh, and Megadeth and Anthrax, you know, they blew up. But uh, Metallica blew the fuck up. And, you know, like, of all, they crossed over. Everybody started listening to the Black Album. So it's funny you say that because I was... I was going to say, if you go off popularity, The Unforgiven is probably the stairway to heaven. Not my opinion, but for, like, airplay and, uh, you know, for a, a, a metal ballad compared to, like, uh, uh, A Room with a View, which I think is a really good song. But, I mean, if you look at the, the facts of the matter, it's it, that's a funny statement to say, uh, to make. But, yeah. Yeah. Thrash metal is not known for a lot of ballads, you know, rightfully so. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, with Metallica, I mean, Enter Sandman is their biggest song. I mean, it's far from their best, I feel. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, what's funny is that I took a look at the 1990s, the biggest records of the entire decade. And you had in the top ten, like, you know, the Bodyguard soundtrack from Whitney Houston. Um, there was Pearl Jam's first record. There was Smashing Pumpkins, Melancholy, and the Infant Sadness. Um, there was a Creed record in there. Oh, yeah. um, and yeah. the number one album, there was a couple of Garth Brooks records, I think, in there. The number one record of the entire 1990s was Metallica's Black Album. It was the biggest right. album of the decade. Um, and you're, you're right. I mean, the big four, actually, Anthrax is the one that slipped off a little bit as far as album sales. Slayer continued into, I mean... Their very last album hit number four in the charts in 2015. Um, so they continued to be uh, not a multi-million seller like Metallica, but Megadeth and Slayer and Metallica were 
definitely in them to be the three biggest bands with the top four. Um, but yeah, anyway, that was his big proclamation back in 1991 or something that Death Angel would be the biggest thing in right. metal and, and, and on and on. So anyway, good band though. Uh, number seven, let's go on to, uh, that was your number seven. That was Death Angel. So number seven for me, I have got a previous entry from you, Metal Church. I'm a huge fan. In the 1980s, I was a huge Metal Church fan. In fact, I thought I would probably replace it in the top four of the 1980s. I would swap out Anthrax. I would put in Metal Church. They definitely are kind of a little bit more classic metal rather than thrash a little bit. They don't have a lot of thrash beats. Their drummer, Kirk Arrington, is fantastic. He's really great on the double bass. Um, and I got it. Their founder, Kurt Vanderhoof, that's the guy, Kurt Vanderhoof. That dude is, is one of the greatest musicians in heavy metal history. He, uh, stopped touring and recording, I believe, during Blessing in Disguise, but he still wrote all of the songs. And you can start out the, the first album right away, Metal Church. That song, it really defines their sound. It's that whip, fast, crazy, and it's just with the giddy up, giddy up riffs and the great beats. The drummer's not even playing a specific heavy metal beat. He's fitting a groove into this fabulous thrash metal riff. And that, that song really kind of defines thrash metal for me in that first record was huge. In fact, Slayer talked about the biggest show of the early days that they played was, uh, you know, sometimes a band would go on tour, but they wouldn't tour with the same band throughout every single state through their entire tour. So Slayer went on a West Coast tour, and when they went to Seattle, they actually opened up a metal church, instead, even though they were nationally bigger and had more albums at this time. So they opened up a metal church. They played this amphitheater before I think like 3,000 people which at that time Metallica Slayer I mean those guys were playing clubs and they said it was the biggest show they looked out and they said holy shit these guys are huge at least in, in Washington they come from Washington right. State yeah, um, alone. so Metal Church and they continued that on The, the Dark is a great record for some exactly. reason the, the critics the heavy metal critics are down on that record but I think that has got a lot of great songs awesome. uh, watch yeah, Watch the Children Play is a classic. Uh, if you listen to the beginning, too, there's a similarity between that and Sanitarium by Metallica, almost the exact same riffs in the beginning. Huh. But I believe that When the Children Play came out first, or The Dark came out first, whatever, they're very close to each other. Um, and to me, Blessing in Disguise is their, is their masterpiece. I love that record. Whether it's uh, Rest in Pieces with the incredible double bass beat that starts out with so much fun to play. Um, the Powers That Be, very catchy. Um, they, they fall into that realm of Slayer and Metallica where they're writing really catchy riffs. And the singer, whether it's the first guy, I've got to get this guy's name. The first guy who I believe passed away. Uh, come on, how could he not be in past members? Let me see. David Wayne, that's the guy. The first two records was David Wayne. He had that that real loud, screamy voice. Uh, Love the it. second guy, yeah, great vocalist. He ended up going solo, doing his own thing. Uh, not really 
uh, doing too well at that. But the follow-up singer, Mike Howe, had a little bit more of a controlled scream and a little bit of a deeper howl to his voice, a little deeper, darker resonance to his voice. And again, RIP to Mike Howe. Uh, but that record, Blessing in the Skies, every single song is fantastic. That is an absolute heavy metal masterpiece. I would put it in my top five thrash metal, heavy metal albums of all time. Avansan Mine, of course, is a brilliant lyrics that's talking about the story of the Telltale Heart by Edgar Allan Poe uh, with a great guitar riff. Fake Healer is a groove metal song for sure. They really hit that groove perfectly. Another one of the greatest heavy metal songs, a forgotten song, because they did a video for this. They didn't do a video for any of the other songs I'm talking about. They did a video for the song Badlands, the first song on the second side, which is fucking awesome. It's a song that, to this day, it, it lives the, the test of time. You know how when you listen to something years later and you're like, well, this is good, but not as good as I remember it, or, boy, this is actually better. Badlands is, is one of my absolute favorite songs, that opening riff, that clean guitar riff that it comes out with, and it talking about this guy who's on like a Kung Fu-like journey across deserts and different plains, and, and I'm not sure if it's America where he's talking about, uh, but then he goes across the Badlands, or he counters the Badlands. Anyway, it's, it's a great, great fucking song. Uh, another one of my favorite Metal Church songs of all time, The Spell Can't Be Broken. It's a uh, um, a knock on religion, of course, uh, thoughts and feelings that aren't quite your own. The fact is you don't have a mind to call your own. Something about a Bible. Anyway, I, I can't recite all of the, the lyrics. The lyrics are really great for that song. Great opening guitar riff. Just coming in and the, the, the dynamic that the drummer creates. Kirk Arrington with that. Fantastic. Just just great riff. I love this record. Even even though you talk about an anthem, Anthem to the Estranged, which is their song about the plight of homelessness in Seattle, is very heartfelt. And it reminds me of a special that I saw as I was born in Seattle, moved out in 1979. And I saw a special. Seattle was named the most livable city the best place to raise your kids, I think, in 1982 or 83. Some producers, some uh, indie filmmakers took that, and they lived in Seattle. I think they lived in Seattle, and they said, Joe, I, I see a lot of homeless kids on the streets. They went and they made a biography. Not a biography. It was a documentary. And it was, boy, I, I've got to remember that name. It's not the streets. uh this is what happens when you uh, do a lot of improvising when you're doing your um, podcast. It's about Seattle homeless movie, 1983, I want to say. There it is. It's called Streetwise, which, oh. of course, in Chicago here is the name of a um, – yeah. of a paper that homeless people sell. And they, they can make money off of, of selling copies of Streetwise. So this movie Streetwise was, it, it just absolutely broke my heart when I was a kid. I mean, there was this really cute, young, bubbly girl who was 12 years old. and She would uh, sometimes go to school, sometimes wouldn't. 
either way at nighttime she'd say to her mom, Okay, mom, I'm going out to turn church tonight. And the mom would say, Okay, honey, make a lot of money. And, uh, yeah, she's 12 or 13 years old and it's, it's her, uh, it's some homeless kids, uh, and just telling about what they're going through and how they survive. And it just was one of the most heart wrenching, uh, movies I've ever seen in my life. And, um, it's a great, great, uh, you have to be in a certain mood for it, obviously. It's a little depressing, but, uh, the end of the movie, of course, is that girl just walking off to another, meeting another John, uh, out on the streets. And, um, mm-hmm. one of the kids commits suicide in the middle of the movie. Uh, one of the kids got killed by the Green River Killer, uh, oh, who wow. killed over 40 kids on the West Coast. Uh, another got killed in a, a bar fight with a knife right after the, the filming of, of the movie. So, you know, not all the kids make it and it's very real. And if you ever get a chance to check out Streetwise, 1984, uh, it's a fantastic, one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. And it did make the top 10 list of the decade for, uh, Siskel and Ebert. I think especially Roger Ebert loved that movie. So anyway. All ties into Metal Church. Uh, I really went off on a, on a rant there, but number number seven, Metal Church. I'm going to end it with that. Um, also love the Human Factor. Very good record. Uh, they should have been bigger than they were. Dirty. Let's go on to the number six. We are on number six now. The sixth biggest right. thrash metal band of all time. What do you got? Um, let's see. Um, it would have to be a tie. Sorry, my phone's being slow. Um, oh, here we go. Uh, Exodus and Megadeth. Wow, you got Exodus tied with Megadeth, huh? Yeah. Well, they're huge in, in thrash metal. I mean, Exodus is right. way, way up there. Uh, absolutely one of the pioneers. Uh, what do you got to say about uh, Exodus? So, Fabulous Disaster, great album. Um, great lyrics. Uh, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the subject matter is like actually pretty deep, talking about the prison system. Um, just making a lot of social conscious, uh, comments. Uh, just great rhythm. Uh, great rhythm guitar. I like the singer. Um, they do a really good cover of ACDC. Um, Toxic Waltz is a great like, like single. Uh, they had a great tour that year. I think they went on tour with Halloween for like this MTV thing. Um, just I don't know, just great great album. Uh, Kirk Hammond and Metallica left them to go join Metallica, but uh, I don't know. I just thought they were great, and I thought their name is great. I had to like look it up when I was a kid because I didn't know what it meant. So they make you think about stuff, and they're you know another San Francisco, um, you know, group, really good, just classic. Yeah, they've survived the test of time. They're still going these days. Uh, Gary Holt did replace Jeff Henneman and Slayer. Rest in peace, Jeff Henneman. I think the greatest thrash metal musician of all time. Um, in 2013, right around that time, right after the. Big Four got together, 
and did some shows together. Uh, Penniman passed away. Holt replaced him, then went back to Exodus after Slayer called it quits, I believe, in 2019. Uh, Steve Souza, the singer, uh, was, in fact, I think Steve Sousa just joined for, I don't even think he was on Bonded by Blood, which is a heavy metal, uh, thrash metal classic, considered one of the first thrash metal albums of all time. He actually was in Testament. And oh, wow. he left Testament after the Legacy, before the Legacy came out, which they, I guess they had toured on that record for a long time before the record came out. Anyway, Chuck Billy replaced him in Testament, oh. and Steve Susan moved on to Exodus and really had a very good career with them. Um, you look at, uh, like Dirty Mouth said, uh, Fabulous Disaster is, I think it's better than Bonded by Blood. I think it's their best record. Uh, I love the song Fabulous Disaster. It's great. Uh, right. Also, the record after that, Impact is Imminent. Uh, I do remember this. Yeah, that's a very good one as well. Uh, boy, it's been a while since. Uh, by the way, everybody, um, we, we kind of are doing this on short notice a little bit. This We didn't get to do as much research. But we've heard all this stuff before, but when you hear it 30 years ago, um, or sometimes even just years ago, you kind of your memory starts to fade a little bit. I, I wish I had gotten a chance. Uh, to go back and listen to some of the stuff a little bit more. And yes, it's an indictment on uh, how much I listen to uh, thrash metal these days. I mean, uh, some of the guys I talked about before I still listen to. Exodus, I'd have to go back and check out some of their stuff because it's not fresh in the brain. But um, they did have more than just a couple albums. Too. Force of Habit in 1992 yep. is another uh, very good record. So they've had a very good career. Now, what do you have to say about uh, Megadeth? You got them tied. Most people would put uh, Megadeth in the pantheon, so but you got them tied with Exodus. Why do you think Exodus is as good as Megadeth? Um, I like the rhythm. I like uh, the vocals. I like the lyrics. Uh, they remind me. They kind of remind me of them in a way, uh, just with the. You know, the lyrics are really good and not too cheesy. Um, I don't know. It's just a good-sounding group. Uh, I, I actually, you know, got into more of Megadeth, but uh, um, I don't know. they got so many hits, though. Peace Cells is great. Uh, so far, so good, so what? Um, it's, it's okay. And uh, Rust in Pieces is, like, probably... Probably, probably my one of my favorites. Uh, Peace Cells is probably my favorite, but Rust in Peace would probably be like the second favorite. Uh, just really tight. Um, rhythm's really good. Lyrics are great. Subject matter is interesting because uh, they're talking about UFOs. Um, man, there's so many good things about Rust in Peace. Uh, when it came out, it was just so solid. Uh, I felt that like. Um, probably their best like you, you know there's there, there was such a uh war between Megadeth and Metallica like the singers and uh I think this was their own achievement it was tight it was probably like uh the best Megadeth album for their style and 
just everything was was great. Production was great. Uh, I liked all the, the each member had a great sound. Uh, just brought a lot to it. It it seemed like it was the best lineup of the band. I don't know. I just and it, it just uh, it was kind of like a, you know it came out in ninety, which a lot of these albums are great. Uh, but when, when they came out, it was just it just was kind of like it just smacked you in the face. It was just solid, you know. Just Dave Mustaine was probably probably his biggest ego trip, you know, album of, as far as like accomplishments. Um, and it, you know, he, he deserved it. Um, you know, I don't know. I can't say anything more about it. Uh, great album cover. Uh, pretty clear what they're talking about. You know, um, I don't know. It's pretty good. I love it. Yeah, Dave Mustaine is probably the closest thing to a punk metal vocalist that there is. Kind of angry, kind of snarly. Um, some of his voice doesn't work for some... He doesn't have a lot of range vocally and some of the stuff on like Holy Wars that I hear, which is just a... It's like six songs in one. I mean, it really is yeah. just... Time changing. It's oh my a, god. Oh my god. It's a roller coaster of a song. Not to mention that he wrote it after playing a show in Ireland when talking about the the Northern Irish versus the rest of Ireland and how there's uh you know, the group that is just to you know, to the point of terrorism wants to separate from England is just very angry at England. So he came out and was about to perform Anarchy in the UK, which is a cover song off of So Far, So Good, So What? And he says, okay, this one's for the cause. I want everyone to crash around and get violent for the song. Well, that was the wrong crowd to say that to. As there were some riots and there were some bombs that happened after that show, and they had to skirt out of there really quickly. He, kinda ca- he did kind of cause a riot. And then he wrote Holy Wars about that, partly about that about traveling to different countries and, and uh, it, it, you know, encompassing terrorist threats and, and different things and how, how violent people get when it comes to their their past related to religion and heritage. Anyway, so that's what Foley uh, was, one of the greatest songs is about. Now, I, I have Megadeth at number six as well. And by the way, we got uh, – what we're going to have to do dirty with this uh, is after we get to number six, we still have our top five. So we're getting close to an hour. We're going to have to split this again into two. We knew this was going to happen, but these few, pretty much two one-hour clips of our of our podcast today after we finish with Megadeth. So I'm going to go through Megadeth a little bit, which is my number six. Um, Dirty, feel free to, to chime in with it as, as I go through some of the things here. But uh, their first record, Killing Is My Business, another side, people. I do this a lot. Um Maybe I have the ADHD, I don't know. But I it, to put this in as an aside, we're going to do a Megadeth versus Metallica episode where we break down album for album. We're going to go through the 80s and 90s. We're going to go more in-depth into the songs and the albums. And we're going to listen to some more, make sure we have some of this music down from albums besides Peace Cells and Rust of Peace, which are the two most famous albums if you're a Megadeth fan, I think. But so starting out with So Far, So Good, So What, we know Dave Mustaine got kicked out of Metallica in 83. And uh, shithead Kirk Hammett 
became the league guitar player. And I, <clears throat> I, I think Kirk, Kirk Hammett was very good at first. I just, I'm really not a fan of his style. Um, outside of Master of Puppets and Injustice, I think those two records he was really good on. He good on Ride the Lightning. Um, I think that Dave Mustaine is a far superior position, even though I know their leads are a little bit different. I mean, Kirk Hammett's got a type of a bluesy, um, Joe Satriani taught method to his playing, which is he, he can smoke with some of those leads. I hate the way he handles a, a wah pedal. Um, I think he sucks at it. Um, and I know that Mustaine is a little bit more of a speed, not as melodic guitar solo as maybe as, as Kirk Hammett. Anyway, if you listen to So Far So Good, or, excuse me, Killing Is My Business, he got a couple of jazz guys in, in his band. And, uh, Chris, I'm gonna have to get acclimated with the members of, of his band. Uh, but we got, here we go, personnel. So of course Dave Ellison, which, who was with him all the way up until he, uh, uh, Dirty, did you hear this? Dave Ellison got caught, I think, going back and forth with like a 15 year old or something online. Oh. Got, uh, accused of, I think that it got settled. I'm not sure if he paid off the, the, the victim, but he did get, uh, accused of um, grooming uh, some young girls online, and it is, uh, it's kind of something that's happened with a lot of comedians and musicians where they get caught sort of like, hey, I'm going to be in town at this time. If they're yeah. on a blog or something like that, or wherever they are where they're con- getting contacted or con- communicating with young people, and it was kind of like, hey, let's meet at this time at this place. And uh, so Dave Mustaine kicked him out of the band for that. I believe it was 2021. So, oh, man. Uh, yeah, th- yeah, there goes Dave Ellison. Otherwise, he was the longest running member of the band besides Mustaine. I knew you'd love that little juicy nugget there. Uh, but, yeah, Chris isn't Coleman guy, and Garson. Go ahead. Isn't, hold on. Isn't that guy, like, he's, like, older than us, so he's got to be, like, mid-50s, if not 60s? I think he's uh, 60. Well, he's at oh, least six. Oh, I know he could yeah. be like the grandfather of of the girl. And granted, I don't know if you've seen pictures. Maybe she looked like she was eighteen, nineteen. But no, wouldn't no, you rather kind of play it safe? Thing. Yeah, wouldn't you rather play it safe and be like, you better look like you're in your twenties. I don't care if you look like you're eighteen, nineteen. I'm not going to risk it. Why would you risk it? You know what I mean? I, I don't know. But anyway, oh, yeah, okay. um, so two guys that he recruits are not too speed metal freaks. Gar Samuelson and Chris Poland are both jazz trained and jazz taught at their instruments, uh, yeah. which if there's a music that can compare the technical precision with uh, speed metal or thrash metal, obviously jazz. So that's right. why he looked towards that and he said, you know what, they'll have some fresh ideas. They won't be copying Sabbath riffs. They won't be copying Randy Rhodes or any of this kind of stuff. They'll bring a new, new fresh ideas to the band. So Killing Is My Business starts out, and it just starts out ripping. I mean, that record. Again, I, I'll try to get through this a little quicker because we're, we're going to do a more in-depth episode of, the, of Megadeth and Metallica. But the very first song, uh, which is Last Rite slash Love to Death, comes out, obviously there's a little piano intro, and it just comes out with this blistering, fast kind of like, it's, it's their statement of like, 
we're here, we're fast, we're uh, going to play these smoking lead solos, and we're going to try to be the, uh, that's what Masang said, he wanted to be, he wanted to kill Metallica as far as speed, heaviness, and precision. Now, I don't think they exactly did. I think Slayer is the one that really became the the, the big dog as far as thrash metal, specifically describing thrash metal. Metallica yeah. obviously wanted to be bigger with heavy metal. Uh, but anyway, uh, Megadeth, Peace Cells, huge record. I remember they were the first metal, a thrash metal band to come out with a, a video. Uh, as it turns out, Slayer wanted to put out a video for Angel of Death, but uh, Rick Rubin said, hey, you can't, we're not going to spend that kind of money on you guys. Uh, at the time there, it was, uh, that, uh, what's that, uh, American Death, Death, Death Jam? So Death Jam. Jam didn't have a lot of money at the time. This was right before they released, uh, License to Ill. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah, that's millions, right. Yeah, which sold, I made, made Rick Rubin and, and the, uh, made him rich. Him and Russell Simmons, as, as did Run DMC, of course, for, uh, Russell Simmons. So, Slayer wanted to. Metallica really didn't want to, even though they were signed to Elektra or something. Somebody yeah. they had the money to do it, but they just were didn't want to do it. They were so anti-video. Yeah, anti-video. A lot of people. Yeah, you know, I wonder if Thrash. I mean, I think some of them would have done a video. I know Metal Church did one for Watch the Children Pray. Um, so I'm sure that some of them wanted to do it. They just didn't have the money. The record companies wouldn't allow them to do it. And thrash is a music heavily uh, reliant on word of mouth, pirate radio, uh, right. copying tapes. Hey, your friend here, I got this record. Listen to this. Uh, black concert T-shirts. That's the way that you spread the name of your band back then, instead of through uh, instead of videos. But anyway, right. um, Rust in Peace, like I said with, with you, I think that's their best album so far, so good, so what. I think it's a kind of forgotten gem. Jeff Young, I think, is a very underrated guitar player. Uh, love Mary Jane. Love Hook and Mouth. Love Into the Lungs of Hell. Uh, love In My Darkest Hour. I think that's a fantastic that's, record. That's the uh, best song on the album. Yeah, In My Darkest Hour, you think? Yeah, oh, I like it. The lyrics. The rhythm, um, I don't know, it's like a hit. You know, it's just, it's catchy, it's deep. I don't know, I like it. Yeah, great. And then as the 90s progressed, I I didn't even buy the one that had Symphony of Destruction on it. Didn't even buy it. Uh, wasn't a huge fan of it. Uh, I did buy Euthanasia. I thought that was a little bit better. I did like the record quite a bit. And after that, I really never bought another Megadeth record. Um, yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, even though I think that they are uh, a very good band has continued to, you know, they eventually went back to their thrash metal roots, I think, in the early 2000s. The last thing, we'll, we'll leave you guys on this before we start part two. Dirty, did you hear a story about Dave Mustaine went to the emergency room for some reason and was waiting in the emergency room for a friend of his? While he was waiting there, because he was awakened out of his sleep and went to the emergency room, he fell asleep. He fell asleep on his, I believe it was his right arm, one of his arms. He fell asleep on his arm for hours. He woke up. He couldn't feel his arm. Oh, he started geez. shaking his arm, and he's like, oh, it's just a, what happened? You know, if you, 
if anybody's done that before, you fall asleep on your hand or something like that. You wake up, you right. get tingles, like little needles shooting into your hand. Right. So he didn't feel any of that though. He's like, "What's going on with my arm?" Next thing you know, he's in the doc in the emergency room for his arm. He's like, "What's going on?" He ended up losing the feeling of his right arm, and something happened where he lost the ability to play guitar. And I think oh. this is when he put Megadeth that down for a couple of years in the early 2000s. He absolutely lost. Something happened with the nerves between his brain, where his brain X'd out all of the guitar playing. He didn't know how to play guitar anymore. I don't know how else to say this. Wow. He had to relearn how to play the guitar at 35 years old after everything he had learned because he had a numbing uh, episode with his arm where he lost the feeling and actually the nerves did something where it kicked out all of the everything he knew how to do, how to eat, right. how to, I'm sure, do anything else that you'd have to do with your right right arm, which is uh, a lot of different things. Skills. Yeah. All of his, exactly. There you go. He lost his motor skills with his right arm. And if, if he was older, I mean, maybe he would have had a stroke or something like that. But uh, because he was so young, that didn't happen. But anyway, huge story for him is that what a comeback story, having to relearn how to play guitar with everything that he had already learned. Um, in the 2000s to make a comeback. Most people would have said, fuck it, and retired, but he didn't. So anyway, uh, he is a tenacious motherfucker. All right, huh. so let's uh, let's end part one of this episode right now. we got the top five thrash metal bands of all time coming up. Uh, please stay tuned. Again, we will post both of these together uh, when they air. Uh, and Dirty, uh, talk to you in two seconds, okay? Okay. <laughs> 